The podcast which you are about to hear is politically incorrect and offensive. The opinions expressed by the three assholes recording it are done so solely for comedy purposes. Listener discretion is advised. This is the Whiskey Reel. Four and three and two and one. No reason, no conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of good or evil. If what you say is true, the Shaolin and the Wu-Tang could be dangerous. Your mother sucks big fucking elephant dicks. Got that? Come on now, dog. You know I give you the mad, fat, super fly, stupid, dope, dumbass, retarded, bomb shit props? Take a big step back and literally fuck your own face! So, uh, Bobby, I was very excited. I, I was watching the, the YouTubes on the old interwebs and an ad for a new movie popped up. Okay. And you wouldn't believe. Um, I heard a very familiar soundtrack from our childhood. Right. Um, and uh, all of a sudden there was these like F-16s flying around and there was... I think uh, they're F-14s. Whatever. It's Navy. <laughs> it's a Navy. I don't... <laughs> listen. I, I wasn't brought here for my military expertise, okay? No, sir. Okay. It was an F plane. Wait, by the way, why were you brought here? Let, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, let's circle back. <laughs> so there's a bunch of jets flying around. There's a lot of oily dudes playing volleyball. Sick abs. You know, that, that, that kind of flavor. And then all of a sudden, I saw a gentleman who hasn't aged in 30 years walk on the screen. That's one Mr. Tom Cruise. And I realized, are we finally getting... That was it. <laughs> This is it. This, this is, is going to be on cue <laughs> for the entire evening. So the new Top Gun is coming out very soon. We've been promised it oh so many years, and, and here it is. And yeah. uh, for those who don't know, um, Bobby it could not be a bigger Tom Cruise aficionado, a fanboy. Sure, um, sure. You know he can do no wrong in your eyes. None. So uh, it, it's it's I just. I thought of you when I saw that. What did, did you see? The tra- you obviously. I've seen the trailer. We, how many times? We talked about it on the podcast. I think a month or two ago. Okay, but that they we have touched new tra- on it. Now yeah. they now they keep releasing like new trailers though. You get a kind of different. <sighs> I mean, got to build up the interest because <laughs> there's nobody because <laughs> nobody's interested in Tom Cruise. Um. <laughs> That's not true. That's absolutely not true. Like he's still. I mean, there was a point where he was like. As far as like box office, like he was a top tenor forever, right? Is he what? not a top tenor now? I don't. Is he? He's he literally the is. biggest he movie star is. on planet Earth. Yeah, really. He's at least paid like his dick is huge and still slapping people in the face in the theater. So I'm guessing. Okay, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I thought like The Rock would be. He's got big dick energy. I mean, I thought that, like, literally, I thought his paychecks were getting to the point where it's like he's contending with, like... Obviously, when you extend the timeline and you go back 30 years from... Which, by the way, is one of the best things about this guy, is he's been doing it for decades and decades. So, I don't know why everyone finds this so funny. He's (laughs) the world's greatest movie star. I, I mean, I would say box office over a career. I'm saying over the last, like, let's say decade. You know, the it's Mission Impossible little, movies definitely that's pulled... That's true. Yeah, they pulled a lot of attention. Well, Has they he, pull a lot of attention, but are they very good? I mean, there is something to be said about Tom Cruise's arc as a career. Is it really that interesting anymore when he's just playing his old, same, sad roles, right? Like, And I, I do want to say this. Like, 
When I saw the Maverick trailer the first time, I got verklempt. I was like totally into it. But it's also playing on a nostalgia that doesn't exist really anymore. Like back when we were kids, there were like five cassettes that you could watch. And so you watched it over and over and over and over again. But we don't live in that world anymore. I don't know that this movie can capture anyone's attention at that same level. It's a nostalgia that no one was necessarily asking for. Exactly. I don't, I'm not missing it in my life. Yeah. Well, right, right, yeah. exactly. And with, nor was I, honestly. With all the retreads of already successful brands that they just feel need to be retreaded for no reason, like Sex in the City and things that nobody had any desire to remake or redo or... <laughs> the, yep. the, we're in that time, you know? I mean, where, I mean, obviously there's not a bunch of new content by virtue of conceptual idea content there is there's enough but it doesn't get the spotlight the same way as these things do there's so much boomer nostalgia energy in this maverick thing everybody over 40 is probably going to go watch it and all the kids are going to just laugh at the people that go watch it that's this is going to be our like terms of endearment or some (laughs) shit dude when we were kids it's going to be total boomer energy dude So, Jackie, how old, how, how old are you approximately, and where do you fall in generationally? Because, uh, like, I Aaron am, and I are both Gen Xers. Yeah. yeah. Hard yeah. Gen X. So, I'm 40, mm-hmm. and I'm the end of Gen X. I'm the year it changed mm. over. Because so, Millennial was next, right? Yeah, yeah. It's so, so, yeah. Yeah, so in the same way that you guys are defined by uh you know, the emergence of technology becoming important to your daily life, we experience that at the same sure. place. And so we're technically more thinking the same way than like a millennial. Like even people who are three years younger than me, technology was defined as important by the time they were in school. Sure. Whereas it wasn't when we were younger. So that's right. like, to me, how I define the difference. That but. that makes sense. Because, I mean, that's the whole, like, we didn't have cell phones when we were going to school. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. that we're the last generation where the world literally changed in front of our eyes. And the next generation, Gen Z, I think, is going to be defined by its relationship to the important people in the world. Because when we were kids, it didn't matter if some guy was fucking donkeys on the weekend he still got to be paid 10 million dollars and be in a film and do all that sort of stuff but now this generation is going to be defined i think by their judgment of their fellow humans which i think is also interesting to watch go down all i heard was tom cruise fucks donkeys that's all i heard out of that whole conversation Don't sue me, Tom Cruise. Oh, my God. Scientology. They're already writing up little things for me and sending. Oh, for sure, dude. You've got you got you got vans at the door. Vans at the door for sure. Um, Well, we're in the we're in the era of nostalgia. Oh, I mean, dude, Stranger everything. Things, and I mean, just go down the fucking. List, I just watched dude. Ghostbusters, and we've got right. Cobra Kai coming back, and now Top Gun, and they kind of aped our decade, dude. I don't, I don't know how I feel yeah, about it. They kind of just wrapped our decade up and repackaged it. And by the way, I went through it. wasn't as cool. You make our decade seem so fucking cool. And granted. It was fun. We were yeah, kids. We had Back to the Future and the Goonies. and When are they going to remake all that? Because it's going to happen. Very soon. Very I'm soon. Sure. Sean Astin needs to eat, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> you can't live off that Samwise money for too much longer, dude. <laughs> that Rudy money. Uh, <laughs> um, 
Well, if you haven't noticed, there's a, a different voice in the bunkie. Um, but we're going int- to, she will introduce herself as, oh, no. as, as guests are wont to do on the program. But you are back. We are in the bunker. We are many, many, many meters beneath the Earth's surface. We're at least 47,000 meters, which is just incalculable in standard metric, in standard, you know, measurements. Uh, it How is, is that in leagues? Leagues. <laughs> Many leagues. Um, <laughs> it is freezing as nuts outside. That is number one. It is finally winter in this godforsaking valley we call Durangi. It's a beautiful place. I'm just giving it shit. But we are back to the whiskey reel. This is the riskiest of wheels and the whiskiest of reels. We do this every week and welcome back. Uh, glad to see that the last couple episodes people have been enjoying quite a bit. Uh, we had this ne'er-do-well named Blake Crouch on a few weeks ago. People seem to enjoy that. And last weekend, we had Big Brian from the Green Light. Um, and that was that was fun. It was fun. We got to hear about how not to sell acid to undercover cops. Yep. Um, good times. Uh, anyway, uh, we are going to introduce ourselves. To my right is... The man, the myth, the legend. He is Bobbeth Van Noys of the Tallahassee Van Noises and hopefully feeling better this week. Ancient family. From the the Sumerian Van Noises. (laughs) Are you feeling better this week? Or is it kind of more or less the same? No. Okay, perfect. Everything's horrible. I got you right where I want you. Okay, wonderful. Bobby is back. He's in action. And uh, he looks great, even though he doesn't feel good. I don't feel amazing. So. <laughs> to my left is uh, Sir Antonio Branderas of the Roan Branderases. But uh, this week, he's the general manager of my frustration. Oh, beautiful. Um, it's good to be back. And to my left is a wonderful young lady. Would you please introduce yourself? Hi, I'm uh, JBZ, otherwise known as Jacqueline Benzekri. Jacqueline? Yeah, Jacqueline. I heard that. Jackie. Wow. Yeah, that was okay. weird. That, that was, was weird. weird. Yeah, yeah. It's your name. Don't look at Bobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was like, did you hear that too? It's kind of like when you smell a fart and you're wondering, does there yeah, anybody else? Who oh, it's always that you. Was sort it's of, always yeah, you. Yeah, it was usually me. Um, no, so I live here in Durango. I'm a developmental story editor working in novels primarily. I do some television writing. That's what I'm working on right now. And otherwise, I just bum around and I'm a dick to Bobby all day. So Little bit. that's kind of like my calling in life. I happen to be uh, married to that fucker you had on the show two weeks ago. So no. that's the other sort of claim to fame. Um, I, oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're going to say it out loud. I guess we use it. Um, that's wonderful. We we lovingly called Jackie, or is it Jacqueline now? Um, <laughs> Jackie. We lovingly call Jackie I mean, Knuckles. We call uh, Jackie Knuckles because not unlike Rex, um, everybody is scared of her. So it, 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 it's with endearment and love. So if you hear us say Knuckles... That's who we're talking to. Um, Introducing those two was such a mistake. Oh, dude. I told you. I thought I crossed. Speaking of Ghostbusters. I thought it was going to step through a fucking wormhole, (laughs) destroy Earth. Yeah, I was scared. No, it went very well. And they're going to be hanging out tomorrow as well. So I'm going to tempt fate one more time and let's see what happens. Uh, But they're very much akin, which is why I think it's it's good. They could just sit back and laugh at me and Blake. Yeah. (laughs) How's that? (laughs) 
being married to such what's, a like sort of that like? self-involved, <laughs> <laughs> ostentatious piece of shit. <laughs> what's that like? You know, like a guy who would bring vintage champagne to a podcast. That kind of dickhead. <laughs> hey, I picked that. Oh, never mind. Okay, never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, we're gonna get um, into that. Yeah. What's it like? I mean, it's like living with somebody who is in permanently distracted from everything all the time because he's always thinking about his book yeah sure. and i happen to be an editor so it gives him an excuse to while i'm in say the shower washing my hair from to burst in and be like what do you think i should do in the second act of my book and i'm like jesus fuck <laughs> can a girl masturbate in the shower jesus Jeez, christ you know, like god i'm trying to pinch one off right now <laughs> yeah. do you mind yeah Seriously, no. Yeah. A lot of work in my life is put into taking sentence fragments that he says to me and interpreting them and putting them into order so that I know what the fuck he's right. talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That's what it's like. But Coherent thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good luck. It sounds like you and, I mean, you to a much larger degree, you guys kind of have the same part-time job, which is trying to keep the person you're with focused. Yeah. Yeah. That, or, that seems to be. Or choose your moments to distract them well. You know, that's the <laughs> yeah. other thing. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get yeah. that. Yeah. It's kind of little, little riddling children over here. <laughs> um, so, um, J- Jackie or Knuckles, whatever you prefer, um, brought us several things. <laughs> this is probably the. Cr- no, not even probably. This is, within doing this for three years, the most absurd lineup of alcohol that I've ever seen presented in or out of the bunkie. Um, we have a plethora of things to drink. Um, we, uh, lots I, to I'm going to talk about lots of time. To- yeah. Cause this could take a while. However, we're just going to kind of, we'll, we'll, we'll just, cause we, I don't want to like, you know, like we're clouting and flexing on everybody, but we kind of are. Um, we're kind of drinking stuff better than you, not just what you're drinking better than you as a person. Um, so Jackie, did you want, did you want to, uh, Talk briefly about um, what all three things that you brought. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's weird. Um, so I grew up in Washington State in uh, the Columbia Valley, like literally the land that my great grandparents had as a farm is now a massive vineyard. If wow. you've ever drank anything from Red Mountain, we mm-hmm. used to. My family used to own that mountain. Oh that wow! Like I didn't thing. know that. Yeah. So. Um, I'm very attached personally to Washington wine because my mom was a winemaker there when I was, you know, in high school and college and stuff. And so we just did a lot of like ooh, early drinking and caring about that kind of stuff. So I brought us a Woodward Canyon 2017 Old Vines from Washington State. Woodward Canyon is thought to be the very first actual winery in Washington. They do all natural fermentation, so they open up the top of the barrels and they let the actual air and bugs and And things get in. And yeast, so it's not inoculated. Yeah. Yeah, which is why it has that different smell and flavor and taste because it's not zapped forward. Nothing wrong with that, but... It does have a different experience on the palate, in my opinion. Uh, This is not something you can buy in a store. It is something you have to get from the winery. So it's like that kind of like, hey, fuck you. Look how special I am kind of wine. And then... Classic (laughs) Crouch family. Yeah, that's totally how we we do it. Um, It's always serving, Castle Crouch. (laughs) 
It's like, I'm going to invite you over, and I'm going to be really nice hostess, but I'm also going to show off and tell For you For sure. We wine. call this table yeah, wine yeah, back yeah, at the yeah, house. Back at the house. <laughs> yeah. And then we also have a Tattinger or Tattinger. Tattinger. Uh, <laughs> Blanc de Blanc champagne from 1993 here, and it is real exciting and cool. Yeah. Um, but for those who don't know, champagne can be vintage just like wine. I know, yeah. But you don't get to see a lot of it. Uh, Tattinger or Tattinger, which sounds so much fu- more fun to say. Tattinger is known for being uh, it's a French owned house in America. Mm-hmm. So this they um, they actually um, they have parts of land in California, which is why they're still allowed to be called Champagne. They're grandfathered in, so they don't have to call themselves uh, sparkling wine. Yeah. Uh, but a Blanc de Blanc, hundred percent Chardonnay. Um, very finicky bitch by virtue of bubbles. This being fuck. So many years old. This yeah. is 28 years old, dude. Yeah. Um, wine does funny shit, man, once you go past 20 years. I've had stuff that was just like, you can't even define it because it tastes like nothing you've ever had. Mm-hmm. So you have nothing to equate it to. This is like classic vintage champagne that I've had. Bready, beautiful, yeasty, um, brioche. And um, we were talking about apples and pears and all that wonderful stuff you would expect. Wrapped with some beautifully delicate bubbles. Remember, smaller the bubbles, better the bubbles. Um, and these are tiny, tiny bubbles, Don Ho. Uh, these are beautiful, man. Yeah. Uh, good luck trying to find this bitch, too. Um, maybe we could talk about the third thing you brought that maybe they can buy. Yeah. Or not. <laughs> so the third thing is a bow blair. And it's sort of a fun story behind this. Blake and I were in Scotland a couple of years ago. And I like to go to Scotland and drink scotch. That's, like, literally all I do. And so we were driving around... And and we got lost trying to find our Airbnb. And it was all very beautiful and wonderful. But, of course, I was hungry. And my blood sugar was dropping. It was like, I'll kill everyone if we don't fucking eat. So we pulled over to this tiny little restaurant <laughs> on the Black Isle. Yeah, yeah. No, seriously. You went to Mick Haggis? I get hangry and it's not cute. And, yeah, yeah. We went to this, like, tiny restaurant in the Black Isle. It actually just had had a book festival the week before, which is weird that we missed it. And... <clears throat> And when we were there, we're like, hey, just bring us a scotch that'll go well with what we're eating. And it was like, I think it was pizza or something. And they brought us the Bow Blair. And my God, it was it was like it's like drinking sunshine. It is one of the most beautiful, bright, space side, lovely, goes down clean scotches. It's not too highly proofed. You can add a little water to it. And they also vintage their... Um, scotches so they have a line that is each year and then they also have their their 12 their 18 sure. and their 25 so this is the 12 but <clears throat> the sort of unicorn that we've had before that you can't find anymore that i'm tr- still trying to find is they have a double lot which is the 2000, 2000 and yeah. there's also a 94 i've had both of those and they're so fucking good and i look for them all the time but like it's impossible to get now but this is a delicious um, scotch that is highly drinkable, maybe too highly drinkable. That's why I don't keep it in the house because I'll just slam it. Right. Space, yeah. Bayside being the non PD. So if you're a fan yeah. of Lagavulin, uh, this is going to be like wussy scotch to yeah. you. Yeah. But this is like, 
I think this is the fir- the first styles of scotch I had kind of getting into the beverage game. And uh, this led me to enjoying peatier and peatier scotches. Yeah, yeah. But this is like, yeah, well, if it's anything like I think it is, it's going to be like drinking. It's going to be good. It's going to be have that salt because the River Spade, you mm-hmm. have to use water from the River Spade to call it Spayside. So it's got a little bit of that extra salt. It has a little bit of that extra cinnamon and kind of a cardamom bite. It's a very nice, easy lovely scotch we'll, yeah. we'll get into that later so yeah. as a sum up these are three things that none of you dirt bags will ever taste because <laughs> we're gonna drink them all fuck off yeah <laughs> go suck down a pbr smack your shitty kid around <laughs> and call it a night okay um i know what is f- the problem with your kids yeah i don't Jesus. know yeah all of you um <laughs> They're probably downstairs singing. <laughs> They're probably in Willy Wonka in yeah. Durango right now. Um, no, but thank you, thank you so much. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Uh, you and Blake were responsible for bringing both. Although I'll give you all the credit because um, that's how that works. I was the one who's like, I'm super high maintenance. I'm going to bring the glasses too. Oh my god, yeah. Because usually like, we we only the tulip shaped champagne glasses. Like we, I'm a. Yeah. We only sip out of the finest Coors Light plastic uh, glasses. So the fact that we have glass in here is making me nervous and excited at the same time. Yeah, Because usually glass out. in the bunkie is a bad idea. Definitely. Yeah. it's usually ends up in Bobby's back as he's doing some ungodly things on the floor. Um, it's just, it's happened. Wow. Uh, yeah, right. Sorry. So... Jackie, aside from being married to that that guy we talked about earlier, we don't need to give him any more pub because um, this is about you. I'm curious. You came from Washington. How the how do you get into being a developmental story editor? Mm. Like what? That seems like hyper specific. Like how did you even find yourself in this industry? It's a very uncommon career. So like it's not weird anybody listening to this if you've never heard of it or met anybody or worked with anybody that does it. Um, so, hmm, should I describe? Yeah. Okay. So I. <laughs> grew up in eastern Washington and when I was in my early 20s I got sort of headhead by Amazon to go and work there um, and I was recruited to be a part of their publishing program uh, and I worked at Amazon for 10 years and I have to say you know I can tell you those horror stories because they're real um, but please do yeah a tech and uh, <laughs> also just Amazon and yes I have met Jeff Bezos and the whole thing but I was in uh, I was working in their publishing program they were trying to develop an actual program where they published new books and like compete with like Penguin Random House, Simon and Schuster, right. all that sort of stuff. And I was brought in to work in their marketing department. And I loved that job. I ended up being the head of international marketing for all books that were being published that were translation, so literature and translation. I got to go to like the pen and all kinds of really cool, fancy parties at embassies in Switzerland and crap like that. Wow. Um, and it was a really cool job and I really loved it. But there's always this issue with marketing anything, which is, is the product interesting? or good or sellable in the first place and that you know becomes sort of problematic 
Um, and at the time, I was also working with mystery, thriller, suspense, crime writers, and I developed a lot of expertise in that area. I was reading a lot of it, and I actually met Blake Crouch at a party, and I don't think he was hitting on me, but who knows, you know? Like, he definitely did. Have you, <laughs> yeah. you know that scumbag. Yeah, he yeah, definitely yeah. was hitting yeah, on yeah. you. And, uh, <laughs> no, he actually asked me what I thought of his book, and oh, like, wow. being a dumbass and a child at the time, I told him the truth, which is not what you're supposed to do. But yeah. I didn't know any better. You know, I had too many drinks at a party. And um, he, like, wrote an email to the vice president of uh, the publishing part of Amazon and said, hey, I want Jackie to be my editor, my developmental <clears throat> editor. And so <clears throat> now I'll explain what developmental editing is. So, like, pretty much... Think of it as um, somebody who comes in and reads the book and tells you you've had your chapters in the wrong order or your character arcs are not interesting or like your plot ends here and you write for uh, 200 more pages. It's like the it's like a script doctor, but for books. And so my main job is to <clears throat> take any story and see what I can do to make it better, more sellable, more exciting or an you know, take something that is not a mystery and make it into a mystery. A lot of writers don't really know the rules. They don't know how to do all those things. Um, I don't know things like where a comma goes. I'm too dyslexic to see spelling orders, you know, like all, uh, errors, I mean. So, like, it's um, it's a different kind of job. Uh, so, I because I gave him so many notes on his book and he did them, uh, he's like, I want more notes. And so I ended up getting this reputation amongst the other writers as somebody who will tell you the truth about your book, which is not very common in this industry. Huh. And so I started having a lot more people coming to me and say, hey, will you tell me what I'm doing wrong here or how to fix this problem? And so I was doing that on the side. I was working like 60, 70 hours a week at Amazon. I was coming home and I was like working on books for people. And it just sort of grew into to this larger business on the side and when you work for Amazon they own your intellectual property so like mm. there was a whole legal aspect to the whole thing where I could only do it at certain hours and in certain ways and it was probably very boring no um, I, I, I'm genuinely I <laughs> fucking no idea yeah um, and so then I so yeah, I'll just tell you the truth. So I kind of had a mental breakdown at Amazon. I was, at the time, working in acquisitions, which means that instead of um, doing marketing, I was actually buying the books from the very beginning and being the editor on site. Okay. And in your traditional publishing house, your editor doesn't necessarily go in and help you rewrite the book the way a developmental editor does. They usually give you more high-end advice okay. and buy the book and make sure it gets published well. But they're not deeply entrenched and involved in the storytelling um and so i was kind of doing both which is probably why i burned out really yeah. badly i had kind of a brain cancer scare which is another story for another time and so i just left i like quit and started my own business modify editorial and just started doing that full time and it was uh challenging at first but i really really love it um, but there aren't that many of us. There's probably in the United States less than 200 people who do this for a living. Wow. And so when you look at like a bestseller, like go to Maria's or go to your local bookstore, look at the books on the shelves. There's almost always 
like the acquisitions editor, and then they don't always thank a developmental editor, but like 75% of writers use them. And so we're sort of like the quiet person behind the scene who reads the book as you write it, or if you're going to self-publish it, helps make it really good, or if you're trying to get an agent, helps you fix the book so that an agent will want to work with you so it's a lot of just like working behind the scenes to make sure that the book is what the author thinks that it is and oftentimes they think it's something that it's absolutely not um so a a lot of time is just spent really helping and uh, what i'm good at i feel like i'm all over the place sorry um what i'm good at is being a style ape so like if i read enough of your emails brandis i could write an email convincingly that people thought worse from you and right. same thing bobby like if you were to write enough essays or something i could do that and so a lot of times my work is actually rewriting for authors i'll just rewrite half their book yeah. if they want okay so i was going to mention yeah. in you know my my relative field of study which was hip-hop yeah. There's been ghostwriters from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. From the 80s, there have been people ghostwriting. Yeah. Thank you, Garçon. Um, <laughs> we do have a butler. We do have, we do we have, have our wine, in-house steward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we'll call him the help. Uh, we'll, pro- <laughs> we'll promote him to wine steward maybe by the end of the program. Um, uh, but he is pouring those lovely, lovely bubbles. There have been ghostwriting going on in every mm-hmm. facet of, of music and literature. And I that was going to be one of my questions was, there's one thing to say, hey, listen, it might be more interesting if, you know, this character Sarah quit her job before she did this. And mm-hmm. that's feels like that would be help. But mm-hmm. physically going, I got this shit. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, why don't you jump back in chapter 20-ish and yeah. I'll get this ball rolling. Yeah. And I, I'm sure that happens more than what people think. Oh, that happens a lot. Like, it's pretty common. You think about, like, I don't want to say names, but like, no, there no, no. are people say who names. are really famous. No, <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. Damn it. Some of these people are my friends. So, no, yeah. I got you. But there's a lot of people who have actual ghostwriters, which is a little different than what I do. Like, when I'm rewriting a portion of a book to someone, it's more like illustrative. Like, this is better dialogue. This is how you should have them write wow, it. Right. I've rewritten this whole chapter, and I'm hoping that you have an IQ above 90 and therefore can see basic patterns and figure the fuck out the rest of the book. Okay. That's so you, like you get it jump-started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And, like, a lot of times, especially with fantasy novels or sci-fi, you'll end up with these books that are, like, five books stapled together. And so a lot of times my work is, like, hey, these first five chapters um, is really a whole book, and you should expand that out and do mm. that instead, instead of having so much exposition or not giving us the backstory. But, like, there's these famous stories like Harper Lee, To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard this one, but, like, um, the ghost set a watchman, the original one book that she wrote, there's one chapter in that whole book for her editor pulled out and said, this is the whole book. And she wrote To Kill a Mockingbird based on that one chapter from the book that she otherwise entirely threw away. Um, so th- like that's the kind of work that I do. And people will hire me either right when they start the book and I'll be helping them with them along the way or when they're done with the book and I'll go through and read it and do all that work. It really depends on the author and what they want and also how much they can afford. Like, yeah. I don't work for free. Get so. it, girl. Yeah, exactly. Get so, that money. And um, I'm probably one of the more expensive ones because I work in a very specific field where there is a lot of money. Now, if I was doing literary fiction, I'd be like, fine, I'll jerk you off and take $300, <laughs> and that's fine. But, like, <laughs> if, 
if I had a nickel for every time I heard Bobby say that, (laughs) you know, but like for you'd have about three hundred bucks. Yeah, about three hundred bucks. Yeah, that's actually pretty good. That's pretty Um, good. Yeah, but like you know, in mystery thriller, suspense, crime, there there's some big people out there who are making a million dollars to start off their book, like Sir Vance, and so it's like fuck you, I'm gonna. I'm gonna get paid for I'm that. Getting you paid, know? Right. Yeah, exactly. So it just depends. Like, but like I said, I work with a ton of people. Like half of my clients are first-time writers who just like, where are you gonna go? Let's just say you want to be a writer and you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. You finish a book. Who are you gonna like? What are you gonna do after that? Right. And that's you know that's why people find me. And then you know usually the whole conversation is like you know I'm really mean. <laughs> I'm really 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 mean. Uh, are you sure? Um, the help okay. is shaking his head. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard of an up and coming young writer in sci fi named Hans Hollenbeck? No. no. <laughs> Jesus. Christ. Uh, I hear he's doing great things. <laughs> Um, anyway, <laughs> we can't shit on Hans. Not I'm fair. not. I'm not. Bobby, did you have anything? Because I've got several questions for Madam Knuckles. Well, I in my mind, I'm just romanticizing the whole thing. Like you're just like amazing Cyrano. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, just yeah, in yeah. the background and yeah. making me sound good. I would like that. I yeah. think there's some of that. Yeah, for sure. But like there's also some of that that is like teaching. A lot of it is educational. Yeah. Like this is why you right. structure a book this way. And you can break any rule, but you need to understand it before you break it. That's like sort of how art works, you know what I mean? Like you have to know why people expect this and to do something different, you have to, you know, blend the two. And that's not so easy for a lot of people to do. So a lot of my work is just teaching, teaching, teaching. A lot of times, if you send me a book, it's already not publishable. I won't be able to fix it, but I am going to teach you how to write your next book a lot better. Right, right. Yeah. For that a makes check. total sense. Yeah. For a check. For a check. Goddamn right. Oh, yeah. Goddamn right. Yeah, I, I have a question. Because it's interesting. You, you and Blake started off, obviously, platonic and professional relationship. Mm-hmm. You developed a relationship that was uh, professional and then grew into, obviously, having an actual relationship. My question has always been, is there, have you guys, have you, I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, but it's always interesting to me, your approach with working with somebody where you have to tell him what's wrong has that has that dynamic changed at all through the years or is it are you the same person you were at that cocktail party or have you softened it because you don't want to go home and have a shitty dinner so you you reserve some comments and say i'm going to space this out a little bit um yes i mean all of that yes all of it it, right so I'm, I've learned the biggest thing I've learned is you don't give everyone every note at once. So, like, if I were to take, let's just say you wrote a book and I were to take it apart. Never going like to happen. Massacre it on the page. That would be overwhelming. It would be scary. It would be hard. It would be you disheartening. You wouldn't even know where to start. Yeah, you wouldn't even know where to start with right. fixing it. So, like, <clears throat> I start with the biggest plot problem or the biggest character problem and I usually my first letter is like a dozen problems you know more or less and then the next time I see it it's like here's a half a dozen more and it's like staggering because as you're making changes you're creating new problems but hopefully you fix some of the other problems in the meantime so that's probably the big difference between the JBZ of the cocktail party and the JBZ of now is I've learned like oh 
you need to be thoughtful about what order you present problems to people. But other than that, no, I don't pull my punches with Blake. I don't believe in wasting anyone's time. And I don't, I think his time is actually so valuable that why would I fuck around with that? Mm -hmm. You know, but he also knows the consequences of like accosting me while I'm cooking dinner to talk about your book. (laughs) It might be that like, I'm like, motherfucker, I need to cut these onions. So I'm just going to say what I think and it's not going to be nice but that's like you sort of you know he he knows the consequences of those sorts of interactions and I don't believe in fucking around about that kind of thing like his books are too important to him they're too important to me like they're you know really somewhat collaborative a lot of times the plots in the early stages are being worked on together in conversations so that way you know in that way I am emotionally invested in the book as well sure. as he is you know Interesting. Yeah. absolutely that's 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 now now the big question is um i i need to hear how bad amazon is mm. <clears throat> do you mean the fulfillment centers the call centers i, I mean the, if you were there in the early years yeah, and yeah. saw kind I'm of the, the yeah. yeah if you saw the genesis of what amazon was and what it is now which is arguably the biggest company in the world if, if seeing it start and it was probably by the time you got there a rather large company i mean contextually it wasn't like it was a mom and pop startup with five people but you got there and it was a full-fledged company to see where it is now um what are your thought what are your thoughts on the amazon machine because it's such a divisive topic for everybody we all use it um but we kind of hate it at the same time yeah um i don't know curious what what are your thoughts on that like i mean so when I started, there were fewer than 10,000 employees total in all of time. Because wow. you get okay. your number. <clears throat> and when I started, um, you know, we still used to have to go in the winter in this around christmas season you used to have to do one shift a week in the fulfillment center to uh keep production going and this is you know we're talking about like the vps i mean i was in middle management i was making a you know six figures a year right. i was doing really quite well there and you still so like it, this was a long time ago it's a very different place and part of why i left was because of the evolution of the company so when i started there it was very much so about paying people a fair wage they never called it living wage right. but it was like paying people fairly when i started there it was very much so like what really matters is people and the customer so as long as we're doing the right thing for the customer you as a business group can do whatever you want as long as you're keeping the customer in your focus and the best thing for a customer is to get them what they want whatever it is on time and at a good price and b- above and beyond that didn't really matter how you did anything um but over time it became more and more about lying about tax evasion and lying about why we made certain business decisions and especially when it came to the authors when i started it was very much so like we want to make the authors happy and my first project was to do a research and deep dive statistically into what makes authors happy And so it was like, it's very interesting stuff because you'd find nuances in like 
selling more didn't actually make authors happy. What made authors happy is feeling like they knew what was going on in the publishing process. So like hmm. communication meant more to them than sales. But don't get me wrong, sales was next. Sure. You know, like selling a lot, getting you know, having a nice cover, feeling like you're communicated with, feeling like you're treated well, which by the way, that translates completely to your consumer every day. Like you want a good deal and a good price, but when you're ordering something and it's gonna take two weeks to get here, like say your refrigerator, what you really want is to know that it's actually coming and that it's sure. gonna be how yep. you wanted it to be and that it's going to work how you want it to work and someone's gonna install it for you. That's, you you want to know what's going on. That's what makes you happy in a purchasing situation not just the price so it was very like so a lot of my work was around that kind of stuff i did a massive project that got me like a lot of recognition within the company that at the time saved amazon like five million dollars on how to do returns mm. it was just a massive statistical deep dive into why people return things and how can we discourage returns you know without <laughs> without like make sure. people keep shit they don't want and um so but at that time, that was a ton of money. Today, that's a rounding error on Please. one group's, exactly. you know, like tax bill or something. So, but like, yeah, over time, like the stuff that we're talking about, absolutely. I was in a fulfillment, no, sorry, I was in a customer service center doing a project with them, listening to calls, finding out what customers were wanting. And the HR team entirely was evacuated out of the building. And I was like, hey, what's going on? I asked one of them, my friends, they're like, oh, we have to go to TV6 or whatever, one of the fulfillment centers, and uh, break up a union that's trying to form. And that was back then. So, like, absolutely, somebody actually said the word union out loud, and they literally sent 50 HR reps to that warehouse and shut it down, mm. fired yeah. everyone. Wow. Um, and, it, and as a person who's, my mother is technically a journeyman, like, my stepfather was in, was a, a teamster, mm. like, I'm a union Unions person. In your blood. It's yeah. a big deal to me that <clears throat> you care about living wage and all this other stuff. And when I started, they were giving us stock grants that were very competitive and nice. But then after a while, it became about keeping you. So instead of like you got a stock grant because you did a good job this year, it was like, hey, here's 100 shares of Amazon, which back then was like $52 a right. share. Like, I mean, it was worth a lot in the end. But you have to work for us for three years before you actually get it. So it became about also incentivizing of, and yeah, yeah, a form of almost like coercion because yep. mm. if you left, you're leaving a hundred thousand dollars behind. Tables, yeah. By the way, that's about how much I left when I left. So there's like a lot of this like coercive behavior. They got cheaper and cheaper about benefits. They started becoming like a, it used to be that they would pay when we lived in Seattle for you to have like a bus pass because they wanted to care about the environment and then they figured out that actually fuck the environment make everybody pay for their own bus pass and there's literally like a I sat through an actual meeting where they were talking about we don't really care about the environmental impact of these things anymore even though at that time Amazon had made all these pledges to reduce their right. greenhouse emissions and stuff and they were knowingly lying to people about their greenhouse emissions and so there's just like a lot of fucking, and then also you're always on call you always have to work every email is super important so like if at four in the morning my svp sent me an email and i didn't answer within an hour i could be fired and like 
So I never had a vacation the entire time I worked there. That's too much. And I had a ton of vacation time. I would take my vacation time and I would work on average three hours every day just so I would keep up because otherwise you'd be so far behind. And it's just stuff like that, like that was continuous. Like there was always more work that needed to be done. And at the time I hadn't had my ADHD uh, diagnosed. So there was this huge problem where I would forget tasks that someone told me to do and I didn't know why I was forgetting them all the time but I'd be really good at these 500 other things and so they would be like we know that you're lying because you did these 500 other things perfectly and great and you're just not wanting to do these things and I was like no actually my brain can't grasp that information and it was the decision was that you're a lazy piece of shit instead of hey maybe you just need more help to work in your workspace and so I really found it to be after a while a very oppressive environment which is really sad because in the beginning when I started there I totally drank the Kool-Aid like I fucking loved working for Amazon I thought we were doing great things I thought we were helping families by giving low prices to people and giving access like think about this way like there are people who live in rural areas like where I grew up who have no access to libraries and you can give somebody an $80 Kindle and they will have access to every book that has ever been written and half of them are free that there's something beautiful about that within certain cultures and communities like things that we are missing that we don't think about that Amazon brought to the forefront yeah and it's just really sad how quickly it turned into Jeff Bezos wants as much money as possible, which is, you know, regrettable, I guess. It's yeah. it's we, we talk a lot on the podcast about um, where the inevitability of capitalism <laughs> is going. Um, it seems like it's on a very specific Aren't we in third arc. stage already. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we're bad. Um, yeah, it feels like Rome is somebody lit the match on yeah. capitalism. It's an experiment that seems failed. I think mm-hmm. we can all agree upon it. And a company like Amazon that starts off and it's like it's almost a trope. It's the cool little company, and then you flash forward ten years later, and it's just like bloodbath, gladiator, fucking you know, mm-hmm. give me my money, like. I don't know if it's human beings or the systems that are existing, but it just doesn't seem like companies are meant to be that size. I I, I don't know if there's a right way to run something like that. Yeah, especially the diversification of Amazon is probably Yeah, they're in everything, right? They do everything. So they control everything. Uh, But I will say there's also just a sameness to all of tech. You know, like... Mm. um, I have a lot of friends, because of my work in television, I have a lot of friends at Apple Television and uh, Netflix and stuff. And it is very easy for me to understand right, them. Like, right. their business practices make perfect sense to me. I'm like, oh, I know what that is. Blah, I know blah, what blah, you're blah, up blah, to. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, like, uh, that's not hard to understand. Whereas it feels very mysterious for somebody in the television or movie world to be talking to these people. Because it's like they actually need somebody to interpret for the people inside. Because it's such a tech way of speaking and thinking and dealing with money and talking about pros and cons like what we think of as being good or bad is not what the tech world thinks of as being good or bad like uh clout and i and who is famous and all that other stuff means less to them than if they have some data that shows that this particular actor on average averages this amount of money per show and therefore amortized across x y and z it makes more sense for them to spend a ton of money on this director so that they get this actor to be on this show blah 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 and and they make business decisions that don't make any sense to everybody in hollywood but i'm like oh that's 
just math. I mean, like, yeah. so. Yeah. So it's it that just sounds so gross. <laughs> it just feels so disgusting. Um, anyway, that's because we're Gen Xers. Yeah. Yes, we are. And that's what we do. Uh, mm-hmm. We are going to um, come back. Jackie's going to tell us how she will rewrite Maverick. Um, that's going to be first on the agenda, by the way. Um, we're going to have, we have a sponsor this week, Bobby. We do. Uh, you were very excited. Oh, yeah. For obvious of reasons. Um, and then we will come back and we'll talk. We'll have some more bubbly stuff and talk some medias and maybe do some music. And we're going to drink some scotch. And we're going to drink some scotch. I've been, dude, I've been very good so far. Yeah. I'm not going to be good after this. <laughs> no. Okay. I heard. And now a word from our sponsor. How do I meet an eligible living god online? There has to be a better way. Well, now you can with Messiah Match, the online dating app that matches you with the one and only Tom Cruise. He's not just the world's biggest movie star. He's also a megalomaniacal disciple of the master, and he's looking for a new bride. Wait, isn't that the creepy old guy that believes in aliens and has bizarre sexual proclivities other than mine? You betcha! But there's more to Tom than just enlisting beautiful starlets into bondage. He is also a kind and gentle monster that will buy you a coconut cake for the rest of your life. So try your luck and match with Tom. Just swipe directly up to reach Xenu. I don't know, guys. I don't think that sounds kosher. Do I really want to hook up with someone that believes in all this crazy shit? Well, luckily for you, Tom doesn't care. In fact, you guys are already married. Time to start going clear and making babies. So welcome to the family. Tom has been expecting you. Hang on, guys. Uh, Why is there a weird van outside my house? Well... It was nice meeting you. So try Messiah Match. Prepare to meet your maker of blockbuster hits. Hugh and Maverick movie. Hugh <laughs> <laughs> and the music. Yeah, that's playing the whole time. That's playing the whole time. Hey guys, you can reach out to the Whiskey Reel at 970-426-5344. Duck butter? Nine seven zero four two six five three four four. You can also send us an email whiskeyreal at gmail dot com. All of our social media is at the whiskey reel. Sean deleted most of it. So <laughs> send all your new novels to Jacqueline <laughs> at Jacqueline. gmail <laughs> with six e's. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fancy. Well, she's we, a delight. She is a delight. Uh, before we get into media, should yes. we talk about this scotch real quick? Let's Ooh, touch back on yes, that. Yes, sir. I mean, she she touched upon it, but you want to talk about what it tastes like? Well, yeah. Um, hey, keep it down, help. <clears throat> he's not getting promoted at the end of the No, episode. he's not. No. He's really, not. really hard to find good people. I know. <laughs> Just saying. Um, yeah. Uh, outside of the fact, Speyside, um, you had mentioned you have to use... The, the water. From the River Spay. Right. Yeah. Um, which gives it a salinity, which is fantastic because, boy, there is a salinity in this that is just like blows through a lot. Yes, it's whiskey. So it tastes like whiskey. It, tastes, it does taste like scotch. The peat is super subdued. I'd like to say training wheels scotch, which is not sort of a knock on it by any stretch. What I mean is if you know nothing about scotch and this is 
if you can't bless you the first scotch you ever taste, you will probably never drink anything else but scotch. Because this is so approachable, so lovely. Um, I believe it's 92 proof, which isn't exactly low proofing no, per se. No, not at all. But man, you cannot taste it. Um, this is lovely. No water, no ice, straight up and down, dude. Fucking we're shirt cocking it. And it's fucking delicious. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what do you, you said you get a little cinnamon out of this? Mm-hmm. You get yeah. a little, yeah. A little vanilla, a little cinnamon, honey. It's, it's weirdly sweet without actually being sweet. You know what I mean? Like where sweet mm-hmm. is on the front of your tongue. Or like the residual but sugar instead, sweet. Instead, it's sweet back and you're almost in your back of your teeth, which There's is the, what I really enjoy about it. There's the thing you get trained when you train to how to do all this stupid beverage shit where it's delineating between sweet and ripe mm. and also sweet is a memory. Mm-hmm. So when you taste apples and pears and things, your brain goes, this is sweet. Yeah. There's no, sh- I mean, there's no, sugar in it because sweet. of the barreling. Yeah. yeah. And all, all ethanol has sugar in it. Mm-hmm. All of it. Um, this isn't a sugared alcohol, but there is an inherent, like you said, tastes like sunshine. Mm-hmm. It's super bright. It's lifted. Um, it's it's not murky whatsoever. Even the coloring, it's this beautiful golden straw color. Um, it's this is like well, unlike Macallan, etc. They don't add any color to their right. whiskey. Yeah, the fact which a lot of them do. No shade on that. It's just not what I prefer. My favorite Scotch of all time is Royal Loch Nagar, which you just can't get in the U.S. at all. But this is a very good second place as far as like if you just want in the summer to sit outside and have a nice scotch. I know I'm a weirdo about scotch. Most people are like, oh, after dinner in the dark when it's cold. But I'm like, oh, middle of the day. Why the fuck not? This is the scotch for that. This is strangely reminiscent of when Blake said he couldn't fall asleep because the waves were crashing too loud at his vacation. I know, right? Um, This is like, Um, you know, sometimes you just in the summertime go out and have a Really good scotch in the sunshine. and I would drink this at like an eyes wide shut party. Oh, (laughs) guaranteed. That's more approachable. You're more relatable, Bobby, than me. You would actually, at an eyes wide shut party, you would sneak in a pint of plastic bottled Svedka and you'd be snipping off that the whole time, dude. Guaranteed. Through your little, what is that, plague doctor mask that you have on, dude? <laughs> the beak. Like the beak, dude. <laughs> I mean, it depends. Most of those parties are open bar, so I'm not necessarily going to drink Svetka. Well, you got to keep you. You got to keep your. Uh, you got to keep your uh, game sharp for when Tom shows up. Lots of stuff is open. <laughs> like amyl nitrate open. Yeah. Or oh, dilated. I dilated. dilated. That's what I was trying to I, say. I understand what you're saying. Um, I had, <laughs> I had asked. Uh, now we usually talk about media. We talk a little media, what we've been watching, what we've been listening to. Um, old old Jacqueline over <laughs> old, here has the old the old elderly Jacqueline <laughs> um, has lives in this world. But it's interesting. I asked Blake the same question because we're just knuckleheads that you know suck up all the pablum of you know Marvel and this and that. We're just basic human beings. What do you guys do when you're not working on sucks? I know you guys are both just entrenched in work. Where what it, has there been a movie lately or a show lately that you've seen that really like went, "Oh shit, this is different." So, a lot of times when I'm watching TV to be truly entertained, I have to be high because the truth is you can't shut off like the that's a story mistake or I now Ooh, that sounds I can, horrible. I can guess the end of most movies or TV shows within the first like 
20 minutes. So, like, it, it, I am unbearable to be around because I hate myself so much. I get really fucking ripped to be able to watch TV. And then I love stupid shit like The Circle or whatever because it's unpredictable. Like, people are just crazy on that show. Right. So, like, yeah, I'll watch some of that shit. Or, like, 90 Day Fiance because as dumb as it is, there's no way to know how it's going to work out. Like, yeah. this marriage seems doomed. And then they get married and they have, like, four children. They seem really happy. And I'm like, God damn, I don't know people at all. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do I, I've been re-watching so I'm working on a pilot for a show and it's a lot about withholding information from people to build suspense like as a mechanism okay. so I've been studying a lot of pilots that do this of course Lost always comes to mind first which is a show that I really loved and then hated because it was pretty obvious to me by episode 9 they didn't know what they were doing and they were so, just kind of Figuring it out as they go along. I don't need somebody to tell me to fuck off on television. They can tell me to fuck <laughs> off in real life, you know? And there's the same thing. Um, I love Fringe. Same thing. First two seasons I made yep. through that. that and was then a it was great like, show. great fucking show. Yeah. I'd love to be J.J. Abrams in the 90s, early 2000s. Like, his ideas were great, but like, follow through with shit. Um, so I watched Homecoming. Did you guys see Homecoming at all? No. It's got Julia Roberts. It was her first TV show. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, Homecoming. I've heard about it. I haven't watched it. Fucking amazing. Really? And I was just studying it, you know, so I was taking notes. But then I ended up putting the notebook down, starting off it, starting it over, and just enjoying it. Honestly, really amazing, interesting. It's about this weird group that is tr studying people with PTSD and military people who come back from war and who are having a hard time reintegrating and that's what they tell the soldiers and the people but they're actually studying them and trying to get information from them so Ooh. like the therapy is her very quietly slow stepping trying to get certain details so it was like a debriefing people. yeah it's but they don't know that's what it is they think they've signed up for an opportunity Ew. to like start their lives over it's it's both tragic and heartbreaking and beautiful and scary and smart like it's it's great i like it um, i'm surprised it wasn't more popular when it came out um so i'm really really into that show right now i have <clears throat> a love hate relationship with succession because i think that the words that they say don't match what happens in the show like that to me is just shitty writing but that last episode i mean i was gutted i don't know if you've seen it and i, I haven't I'm, I'm still i i started watching that every time we watch succession me and rex end up in a fight yeah well, totally. It's, it's that kind of show. Yeah, it's like yeah. we start arguing about. <laughs> well, it's, it's a, really, it's really like it's so transferring. Of, yeah, yes. the whole it's, show is trying to make everyone fight all and the that time. Energy yeah. translates out, which makes it powerful. And what they're talking about is real. And even though they're rich fucks that you hate, they are talking about our world, yes. and that is like it's kind of scary and visceral in that right. way. I again, I've never really enjoyed the show, but the last episode. Kendall's having kind of a breakdown. The siblings are all around him. And I swear to God, it is, it's the best maybe acting I've ever seen. Maybe not yeah. the best writing, but it is beautiful. Wow. It's worth watching. Wow. Yeah. I'll, I'll follow, yeah. I want to follow through on that, but I guess I got to be in a better headspace because. Or maybe just in. watch it on your own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just lie. It works better. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. I saw that Julia Roberts homecoming. It just, I think there was a, at the time that came out, it was bad timing. There yeah. was a lot of pan. It, as odd as it sounds, everybody was trapped during the pandemic, 
it's very hard to push a show like that when everybody else is suffering. Yeah. It's it's hard to like look in the mirror on a lot of that stuff, mm-hmm. I think maybe when you're all indoors. I think like I turned to like anime and like stuff that was completely non-reality because totally. it was the easiest thing for me to digest at the time. Mm-hmm. Have you been watching anything? Because like we, we talk real highbrow shit like Hawkeye and stuff, but, um, but, uh, <laughs> I'm watching Hawkeye too. So uh, okay. I'm definitely watching Hawkeye. Okay. So the big reveal yeah. with old D'Onofrio at the end. Buzz, was it? Yeah. D'Onofrio? Yep. Was it? Yeah. He's coming back. Okay. I had no idea. I mean, I was a little like, whoa, what? Yeah. No, it's him. <laughs> it's him. Um, but okay. that show's turning out to be a lot of bubblegum. It's fine. I think it's fun. It's so bubblegummy, dude. No, just, its tone doesn't make any sense. Like, no, the, it's weird, right? Yeah, like okay. the humor and the seriousness, they don't mesh correctly. Like, okay. you think about what was that show with the woman and the red hair, and she took over the place. WandaVision. Oh, yeah, WandaVision. WandaVision. Thank you, God. Uh, that They did a great job <laughs> Get on out right now. Because, like, <laughs> oh, like the... I'm sorry. The scary, this podcast is over. <laughs> the scary, weird tensity was actually relieved by the humor. But in Hawkeye, their humor is actually cutting instead of relieving tension. And so it, oh, doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't mesh properly. It, it's bad writing. There's been something along that. That's been something that I've noticed through this whole, like, because we're such Marvel shills. Like, everything's yeah. great. And man, I've. I'm looking at this and I asked Rex, I'm like, how many episodes are there? She goes, six. I'm like, that was the fourth one, right? I'm like, they don't got a lot of time left to bring this round. Cause I, and maybe it was the writing. Something struck me as being like, this is just I lazy think, or something. I think there's an inherent flaw in the model that they're using these Disney Plus shows for. And that's, they're using them as platforms. They're platforming into other projects, which are going to be probably cinematic projects. Um, so it's less about the narrative of the show itself as it is about finding a way to introduce like the Kingpin. So it's an instrument rather than a story. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think they're, they're using that platform to just launch into these other projects, which are going to be the, you know, the overarching phase four stuff. Sure. You know, so they're paying less. I mean, even as cool as falcon and winter soldier was it was clunky 80s action movie buddy movie stuff and maybe maybe my brain likes that more but then i'm watching now because this feels like just bubblegum well they had real chemistry falcon winter soldier which literally hawkeye and whatever the hell i don't even know her name Bishop. that's how very little i yeah. care about her and she is interesting but like they don't have anything together and the whole mystery of who is ronin and why isn't told linearly enough no. so like you can't grasp what you're supposed so like they say names of people like kara that's half the world and i'm like i don't know who the fuck that is i don't know why i care <laughs> nailed it no it's it, and it's Jacqueline. Yeah. Jacqueline. Exactly. Um, it's but, bad <laughs> I think it's bad it, it feels like there's no there's no um antagonist. No. It, like there's this amorphous bad guy. I don't even know who the bad guy is. And the antagonist then, is not knowing who Ronan is, which I we clearly know who Ronan is. We already knew is. it when the fucking show started. Exactly. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I said, I love superheroes doing superhero shit. I, yeah, I think I said fun. famously on the show. Fun. I love superhero shit, and I'm not getting enough superhero shit to counteract the weirdness of whatever. And can happening. we talk about Florence Pugh's accent? It's 
dog shit. <laughs> it's John Milkovich bad. <laughs> I give that man his money. Give that man his money. <laughs> it is so fucking bad, her Russian accent. And she's adorable and she's fun. She's I, funny. It didn't, it didn't but, catch me. It wasn't dis, It wasn't alarmingly come bad. On. Come on. Really? It's, was it that bad? It's pretty bad. You can be alarmed. It's, you're allowed to be alarmed. Yeah, it's okay. yeah. Yeah. it's yeah. pretty bad. No, but Bobby, I see my paycheck every week. I'm alarmed. Yeah. Trust me. But what you were saying before is totally true. So without giving anything away, we sat through a meeting with some people in Europe who were talking about Disney Europe, and they gave this big presentation about what they're trying to do and what they're looking for because they're trying to source stories from other places outside the U.S., blah, blah, blah. That's not a surprise, not even a secret. But they're like, we don't care about the story. This is literally a quick quote from that meeting we only want characters that we can turn into brands yes and that's what they're looking for so like hawkeye is a vehicle for making her a, a brand. brand yeah because so you got the new really you got about. the young avengers yeah. that's which what is essentially they're yeah. gonna but it's so gross they're saying things that i think we all inherently know much like amazon was saying things that mm-hmm. we inherently know but when you say it out loud it's really gross like, yeah. like you're almost like yeah we know just don't say it out well, loud it's also you know? like they haven't learned their own lessons like they're most uh, successful properties is Pixar and Pixar's story, story, story. Yeah, story, oh story. yeah, for sure. And they are hard on story. They're mean on story. I would love to meet their story editors. Those are like my gods. Like, there's a whole idea of how we, much we care about character and yeah. arc and everything else. And what they're doing here is disregarding everything that they learned from the thing that makes them the most money, which to me means I think you should fail. Like, that's fucking stupid. Well, right. do you think as a company? as big as Disney there's the left hand not talking to the right hand there's about 400 hands that don't talk to each other because funny they they spend all their exposition and their story on children meanwhile the adults get dog shit yeah which is sounds crazy but I mean you're right the Pixar shit is that's why they bought Fox banging. right they were looking yeah. for adult yep. content yep. and then you know what they did they neutered Fox it's like the craziest dem- same thing like the whole reason that they bought like this isn't secret but like the whole reason they bought Star Wars is because Winnie the Pooh was becoming technically public domain they couldn't make literally five billion dollars a year off Winnie the Pooh merchandise anymore that they used that's to make. how much it used to make yeah. so then they bought Star Wars to replace that revenue stream. It's not that they cared about Star So it was Wars. accounting. Yeah, it's just money. It's just math. God, everything's so... I'm going to... I'm, I'm going home. Yeah. I don't like any of this. This I'm, makes me so... I'm sorry I'm here. If I, I know all this if, if I didn't have $500 worth of alcohol in front of me, I'd be very upset right now. <laughs> I would be very upset right now. No, but it's good to get that insight because we're just... We're just shills. Like we we consume media, and not we don't we don't consume media. Like I mean, I'm not watching the new Sheldon, but you know, I'm we we consume. (laughs) Shut up, Jackie. Um, We consume what we would consider at least outside of the Marvely shit, which is everybody's consuming technically. Like I try to spend my time being thoughtful about what I'm watching and not watch dog shit. I try. I really really try. But it's interesting behind the scenes, it, it seems like that that's all been sort of manipulated and packaged and branded for me anyway. So it feels like 
like there's no way out dude like well, i'm in the matrix of fucking the, yeah. what this is at this point i would argue though that the the advent of streaming individual services like peacock and paramount right. plus and hbo max as much as i think that's a jerk off and it's stupid they are producing interesting shows that are new and have cool things to say like i'm really into rutherford falls and like the idea of like oh this white guy who is being persecuted in town as the rich guy while his best friend's this native american woman who's also being persecuted in the town and and like their struggle together that's new and interesting i think the problem is major media is boring and tired and about money and the rest of the media that isn't often being noticed is interesting and new and sexy and that's yeah. where I would mm. be mining my new shows. Well like Paramount is full on gone full bore. They're in the business of Taylor Sheridan. Like yeah. they have invested in that guy 100% who's a great fucking writer. I mean Sicario and Heller sure. Highwater, uh, Wind River like obviously Yellowstone I mean those properties are really really well done and really really thoughtful and they're just full on invested in that guy. So now we got 1883, which is the prequel to fucking Yellowstone. But it's got Sam Elliott, so it's gonna be it's gonna be great. Hey, amigo. You know, but that's good television. Like everything I've seen from that company, it's been pretty good television. It's I feel the same way about uh, overseas television. I I go to the we lovingly call them at my house the Hergen Flergens. It's everybody from Norway and Holland, and which, by the way, all of those countries are the same country. I don't know if you've been there. How um, dare you? It's literally the same country. Um, all of those shows, those dark, brooding uh, murder shows and the sci-fi coming out of yeah, there yeah, and yeah. out of Sweden, they're so beautiful and well acted and like they look like they're, they're beautiful to watch. They're well acted and they're like kicking our ass in the same genres. Yeah. Like they're doing sci-fi like the dark and shit that is so much more interesting than what we're coming up with right now. So I spend a lot of my time across the pond, way across the pond, to so, Norwegia, Switzerland, Finland. Speaking of oh. interesting artists, before we... <laughs> That's what we call it. Scandinavia? I've never heard such a word. <laughs> before we head into Pearls and try to wrap this whole nightmare up. No music. Uh, we're not going to do music. Okay, that's fine. Um... Jackie and I came here with an agenda. <laughs> I didn't come here with an agenda. No, we. I came here with hatred. <laughs> yes! Fair, fair, fair. We've had notable online scraps uh, concerning Mr. Tom Cruise. Hmm. I don't want to go off on a 30 minute tangent about this, but we should definitely touch on this. All right. I mean, we have very differing opinions. Uh, about Mr. Cruz and his place in our universe. <laughs> I don't know that we have that differing okay. of opinion. I actually don't. I think that we just have different ideas about what it means to extol someone like him. Sure. That's what I would say. Okay, yeah. that's yeah. fair. Do you yeah. hate him as a per? Like this is the thing. Do you can- is separating the art from the art art? And I hate to call him an artist, but is separating the Not art from artist. I no well, but the guy's. Done some really good performances. Genius actor, I'll give you. I'm not. (laughs) Genius is a lot, 
but he's had some really good roles he's done. No denying. Born on the 4th of July, we talked about. He was really good in that. There's nothing really to take on. away from the guy. Tropic but Thunder. Tropic I mean, Thunder. you believe him in everything he does, he which does, is the key to a good actor. But, but my question is this. It's so hard when somebody's that much in the public eye and that weird and that over the top. It's really hard to watch somebody like that and not hold some sort of weird feeling about them. So do you do you not like him as a as a celebrity or do you not like him as like a guy? My problem is with Scientology, like pure and simple, straight down the line. I think Tom Cruise is an amazing actor. I assume based on his interviews and the way he is portrayed in the media, which is always very patriarchal and gives the positive view to the man and says Katie Holmes is a crazy cunt like whatever like but like the way he's portrayed the way I've seen him the stories I've heard from people who directly know him and the movies he's been in I think he's probably not a garbage human which is high praise from me right like, yeah hey. uh, yeah <laughs> yeah that's everything <laughs> you might actually like Tom Cruise more than you like me yeah that might <laughs> oh for yeah. sure uh, but like Here's the thing. He is a part of an organization that straight up enslaves people, that deals in human trafficking, that, uh, like, condones rape and murder. They say they don't, but, like, it's, it's fact. Like, there's so much data and information out there. And what this company does and what this group does is they really leverage his celebrity oh, to 100%. bring people yep. in. And the fact that he's complicit in that, that he's going out and saying Scientology is a good thing. And then you have, you know, fanboys and girls who don't know any better who give something like this a try, who get entrapped into this terrible thing where they're like, they have stories of these women who are like nine months pregnant having to, like, build buildings and they won't let them go to the hospital to have their babies and like people who have legit schizophrenia they make them go off their medications and they end up killing themselves like the stories are really horrifying and he knows about all of them and he knows the truth about the way that this group hurts people and he continues to shill for them because they give him literally millions of dollars a year so that was my question do you think this is literally just a money thing or yeah, it's absolutely thing. Oh, it could be an ego thing. I also think he th- likes the power. Yes. You know, he is very important. He is the second to God in this particular group. And like, as long as we don't have conversations side by side about Tom Cruise of like, yeah, great enjoy his movies. Just know that that doesn't make him a role model. And we don't have that separation in our culture and it's an evolutionary issue like a thousand years ago or two thousand years ago the guy who made the best bows in your camp or i guess that would be like twenty thousand years ago sorry uh was like somebody that you really looked up to that you thought was great and we as a culture we evolved to have that in our brain because thinking the bow maker is amazing hero made you want to make better bows it made your culture and your community better but today when we extol uh Actor who has genuine influence over others and he uses that to promote human trafficking, sex slavery, all this stuff. And and we let him we don't have that bifurcation our brains don't understand that separation between the two Hmm. and so if we're not having side by side conversations yes you can go to a Tom Cruise film no Hmm. one's going to judge you for that I'll probably see Maverick I'm not going to lie but 
if we're talking about Tom Cruise as a good person or as an amazing whatever, X, Y, or Z, instead of talking about how good he was in a film, you are giving this person power over others and influence. And that person is using this influence negatively. So I just, in general, have an issue with the sort of iconography of celebrity and how we are... Our brains can't handle the separation between, you know, rational thought about a human being a human and the need to extol people who are good at things. Understood. So fuck you, Bobby. Yeah, fuck off. Are you against that? (laughs) Are you against that shit, fucker? The same thing can be said of, uh, there's a thousand celebrities. Yeah. No, I mean, I have a particular brand of hypocrisy that I completely adhere to. Yeah. But, like, I, I seek out confirmation bias when it comes to the guy because, like, I listen to all the people that know him on a personal level, which is a very different thing from his position in that organization. Mm-hmm. Just the people that know him from working with him day in, day out. And, mm-hmm. they, they, you know, like, we joked about the coconut cake thing. Like, that's a very real thing. Mm-hmm. Like, he takes care of people that he's worked with. Like, there is a lot about him that is positive and people absolutely adore the guy, the people that work with him, blah, blah, blah. Obviously not his wives, <laughs> ex-wives, of course. I, but I have that capacity How many of for hypocrisy. How Scientologists you know I mean? that would be excommunicated from their church if they spoke negatively about of Tom course. Cruise? They, of and course so they you were. can't even trust these stories. You know, he might have a good assistant who remembers everyone's yeah, birthdays but, you know, and stuff. Kevin Pollack's cake. not yeah. a... Scientologist. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like like there's so many people that adhere to like how like just what a genuinely kind person he is. And I think two things can be true at the same time. I think he could be part of an organization that's problematic and 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 he probably knows and that they're problematic. Course, yeah. Of course. I'm part stupid. of shit that I know is problematic. Yeah. I day drink sometimes. That happens. Mostly. He drinks <laughs> Most, a lot. Mostly. <laughs> I day drink more than I night drink. <laughs> I know that's a problem, but I'm okay with that problem. Yeah. Because, because that problem only affects you. And that's where we, know, it's I the understand. whole COVID thing. It's a whole bunch of other shit. Like, yeah. we have to have a conversation. And I think that those conversations just need to exist next to each other. Sure. Of, like, loving somebody who is, like, maybe a racist piece of shit, but they make great music. Or, like, Kanye's a great example. Like, giving him more airtime is dangerous because he is not well. But... His music is good. There so, are like, Oompa Loompas fucking yeah. it up downstairs right now. No, I know. Okay. Uh, Tom Cruise Dave is Chappelle. like my... Uh, yeah, Dave Chappelle is a great example. Cruise is like know? my uncle that taught me about Judas Priest or Iron Maiden when I was yeah. 12 years old. You uncle know Barry? I mean? yeah. Like, I'm, I grew up with Tom Cruise, and he's going to have to really do something stupid for me. <laughs> and I, You know what I mean? Yeah. For me to, like, lose that faith, I guess. my argument to you would be you should acknowledge the whole experience of, of Tom course. Cruise when you are saying something positive about him because otherwise then I feel like I have to get on the internet and be like blah 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 Bobby <laughs> Tom Cruise is garbage water which isn't even true you know but like no, there has to it doesn't also I'm a massive troll yeah, and I yeah, love yeah. getting a response from people yeah, because yeah, I yeah. know that Tom Cruise is going to elicit responses that are going to be really fucking entertaining yeah. and I love it I yeah. love it 
He, well, Xenu's doing something right because that man doesn't age. I don't know what the fuck, baby. He's actually starting to show adrenochrome signs. Fucking, he's getting a know. little jowly. Is he? Yeah. Isn't he 60? Almost. No, I think he's so. 85. He's 412. <laughs> <laughs> he's he fought eternal. in the fucking revolution. Tom Cruise is 2,400. <laughs> There's pictures of him from the Confederacy. <laughs> <Yeah>. Dude, <laughs> he fought alongside Grant. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know which side, brother. Yeah, you know which side. Listen, there's not a lot of black dudes in Scientology, buddy. <laughs> no blacks, no gays, no, no women with independent thoughts. There's got to be some gays in there, right? Oh, no, they're homophobic. They believe that it means that you have a bad spirit, a bad you have a thetan attached to you yes. that is making you like cock. Brandon, and that is the reason that you're gay, and you have to get rid of it. Why was Brandon, it Brandon? As an Aaron? I meant Brandon. Oh my God, I've had too much to drink. Poor fucking. Sorry, Bra- There's a kid named Brandon out there right now that's Brandon, like staring himself in the mirror. You hear me, you cock lover? Brandon, you know who Brandon, you are. Brandon's is experimenting with Jacqueline. Jacqueline and Brandon. <laughs> that's the new Harold and Maude. Well, I'll it's tell you Jacqueline this. Jacqueline and Brandon. My my pearl wisdom is just this: don't piss Jackie off. It's, <laughs> it's not. You get knuckles on your case, man. It's rough. Just She's saying. too smart. She's too smart. She's, She's smarter smart than too. me. Yep. How Clear, about you? Clearly. Um, mine is mine. I was reminded. Uh, uh, the adage is true, and I think it's true, regardless of the gender swap. Behind every person that's doing well is somebody that cares for them. Hmm. So not behind every strong man, it's a strong woman. That's kind of an antiquated adage. Behind anybody who's out front and doing shit, there typically is somebody behind them, helping them, propping them up when they need it, um, assisting them, uh, help, uh, uh Consoling them when things are bad. Um, there, it's t- it's very rare to have somebody going it alone and doing well for themselves. There's usually somebody behind them. So um, I think I think Jackie's that for Blake. I know Rex is that for me. Um, you know, I know Bobby's half, that for uh, Bobby. I know half, <laughs> I know I know Tinder is I know Tinder is that for Bobby. <laughs> I do all right. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's been an onslaught. <laughs> um, we knew exactly what this podcast was going to be. Um, Jackie, do you have any wise words for the kiddos? Oh, no, absolutely not. Good. Don't listen to me. I don't have anything to say. Okay. That's, that's fair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> By the way, there's wisdom baked into that statement. Yeah. Don't listen to me. Yeah. Don't listen I'm to me. I'm a fucking idiot. Figure it out. Yeah. Not that you're an idiot. I'm kind of mad at you, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. Just cut your legs out. We're we're fighting. Yeah, we're fighting right now. We're not good right now. Um, (laughs) We're in a fight. Thank you for the wonderful liquids. Um, I'd like to thank the young man that you brought with you that helped us serve. My slate. No, that's the wrong one. Easy. All right, Alex Jones. (laughs) All right, Alex Jones. Um. That's fine. Jesus Christ. Okay. My Paula Dean. My wow, Ben Shapiro. Yeah. Slow down. Jesus Christ. Uh, Paula Dean. <laughs> Go get me some butter, bitch boy. Uh. I stopped myself. I recognized, even after like a glass and a half of champagne, two glasses of red wine, and some scotch, I recognized that I should stop. That's what an, I'm saying. That's an yeah. algorithm for awesomeness. 
everything you just said. No, but thank you guys for bringing this. This was very, very special. I guarantee you next week won't be as good. No. <laughs> Here we go, Svedka. <laughs> oh, I think I'm on booze. Yeah. Yeah. Are you doing Svedka and White Claw? That's your thing. Uh, I almost yeah. brought that as the cocktail, the featured cocktail. The featured oh, cocktail. Is that good, White Claw? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, uh, they, they call that the Klansman. I don't know if you remember, you mix but uh, <laughs> you guys were in my living room one night, and I convinced Blake to shotgun in a White Claw. Yeah, I do remember Probably that. Clearly. two and a half years ago, three yeah. years ago. And we were like stoked. Oh, that was when it was a Super thing. stoked. Yeah, he shotgunned it pretty hard. Yeah. And then I remember most vividly that I guessed who was going to win every fight, and Brandis was so fucking pissed. Yeah, I was mad. Yeah, he I don't, was I don't like it. Uh, you so have the no. same power Rex has where you figure out every fucking movie, and I look over <laughs> and go, what's going to happen? She'll go, you'll see. Yeah, it's I'm fine. like, wow, stop it. I don't Why don't like ask it. her? She's trained to help you by not telling you. No, she's trained as a psychologist. Oh, I'm a case study. Well, front, to back. Yeah, front to back. Guess what? We wipe wherever the fuck. We <laughs> yeah, girl. <laughs> Congratulations. I wipe. I wipe it into my balls. Let it ferment, if you will. <laughs> we call it duck butter. <laughs> <laughs>